Can somebody explain to me why people continue to leave Marvel movies before the end of the credits? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I don't get it whatsoever. And it's not like Marvel movies even try to hide it anymore. Yeah, they have the same play by play. They always have an animated beginning of the credits. Then you have one clip, which always leads to the next movie. Then you have. The, the regular looking credits where the house lights come on, then they always have another clip which may or may, or may not be a tie-in somewhere further down the line. But they, there's always two clips. Always. And yet, people still just get up at the end. Now, you could say that's like, well, we just don't want to get, we don't want spoilers for whatever's coming next in this universe. I would argue that you that it's never really spoilers as much as it's just a teaser. Right. It's not really giving you any giving anything away. No. Giving anything anything away that you isn't readily available on the internet. Right. Um, I, I just but that the way people file out of these movies, it's almost like that they they're oblivious to the fact that there's more to be seen. Yeah, and, and again, it's. The fact that people are still playing dumb about the fact that Marvel puts stuff on every movie. Every movie. Yeah. Even even when they were just starting to lay the foundations yeah. for Avengers, they were putting them in every movie. Now, back then, I think it was normally one clip. Right. And now that we've got this huge universe that keeps expanding and expanding, you're getting two. So what's the point? And you're right. People, there may be some people's mindset, even if they're our age that know YouTube, figure, well, I can find these clips, they'll leak to the internet. But it's still not the same. You've, you've committed two hours and 20 minutes already. What's another five? Right. I just don't understand where that's the investment you're not willing to take. Uh, well, that, and that's why, to me, it's just that the, these people are still oblivious to what's going on. Yeah, it's it's still we we are still dominated by a society that is indifferent to movies in that it's just it's just some place to go and and spend a couple yeah. hours and, and lose yourself and and get up and you leave and, and you don't think about it. It's the reason why Adam Sandler is still allowed to make movies. I, People don't yeah. think that much about it. They're, they're not. They're not invested on what happens next. When something else comes out, we'll go see something else. But they don't. They don't want to sit there and think about how this ties into this and stuff. You know, maybe we're just we're maybe we're fanboys who want to see, want to know everything, well, want to absorb everything. And other people. I'll expand on it though a little bit. I think people, even if it's not a Marvel movie, look and look. I, I I get it. There are times where you've sat for two and a half hours and your bladder is about to pop. And when the sure. credits come up, you say, "Okay, I can't sit here anymore." I get that. But if you are not uncomfortable, then spend the five minutes. I'm curious about who does the score, what songs were used, well, what I may have missed. We are I, we are a different breed. I yeah. thoroughly enjoy seeing <laughs> sure. what one of the takeaways today, and you, I saw, saw it, and you, you've audibilized it, was that the film was shot in Cleveland. Yeah. I would never have guessed that. Right. That, to me, is fascinating. I love seeing this kind of thing. And if you're just that casual moviegoer that just, ah, I spent my two hours, I'm good, then you're missing little tidbits like that, which, to me, make a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, you, you go back to Dark Knight Rises. The fact that that was shot in Pittsburgh makes a huge difference because if you go back and rewatch that movie now, knowing that, well, and we referenced it at that point, 
the fact of the matter is, at no point did that ever feel like Gotham. It yeah. felt different. And yeah. why? Because you watch the end. It's shot in Pittsburgh. Right. And, and, and yeah, it's stuff like that that people are missing. And if you want to do it with documentaries, because you can see where the bias of a documentary is. Yeah. Look to see who sponsored the goddamn film. Yeah. Well, if you haven't guessed already, it's Marvel Movie Weekend. Finally, we've got another one. Yeah. Um, Captain well, America. The Thor Win- was back in November. Right. But. Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Uh, that's what we're going to be reviewing and talking about a little bit later on the Slice and Dice podcast number 22. I'm trying to do. What, what would that be in French? I don't know. I don't speak French. The. That Which I'm it? sure I just pronounced wrong. You just said cat, cat farts. Or I probably did. I think I think 20 is that. Or that's wine or something. I don't know. Okay. I, I failed French. That was the first class I ever failed in school. Never took it. So, Slice and Dice number 22. A little bit of news. Not a lot. It, we're not even really going to get into news so much here as just... Heady dis- conversations. Discussion. Good discussion well, points. I don't know if they're heady. Well, no. Good discussion points. Sure. There's a, yeah. Well, we can... Yeah. <laughs> we kind of already bled towards one, actually. Right. Well, yeah. And, and I think that yeah, you're right. It segues into the, ne- into the first topic we wanted to get into. And I believe it was an article on... Uh, it was either Film School Rejects or Film Drunk, and I don't remember. I think it was, think film, it was film Drunk. drunk. Uh, might have been Vince Mancini on Film Drunk. And about it's basically about the mindset of the modern-day moviegoer. And I think, I think, personally, this mindset is that we are still... People that are going to theaters are oblivious to the movies other than they know they're in a theater and they're paying attention or not paying attention to a movie and in two hours they get up they walk out and they forget completely about what they've just done i would agree because in this in this technological age we're in where where information is at the push of a button no matter where you are in the world at any time it's like there's no more I don't know. There's no more surprise element to movies. Uh, you've seen 40 million trailers and TV spots for any given movie, and if you've seen all that, you can pretty much piece together everything that you're going to you see. You have to be careful websites you go to because people yeah. are leaking information to the point that now they have to sign non-disclosure agreements about a lot of these things because people have seen the movie two two weeks ago, three weeks ago, right? And it still gets leaked out there, right? Um, and, and then just the fact that people today can't let go of their devices for even two hours in a day without, without finding out what their friends are doing on Facebook or somebody's Twitter feed or texting with somebody in movie theaters. They don't even know what they're watching on screen. Oh, God, no. It doesn't mean anything to them anymore. In fact, the dude that was sitting diagonal in front of me, right in the middle of the movie, went and brought out a cell phone and checked his Facebook page. Really? Because, you know, in an hour, 
I'm sure so much happened that he needed to know what was going on on his Facebook page. Right. It, it, it's such a totally different mindset. And if, you and I have had the, the conversation before of think back to the days of when you used to go to the movie theater and it was an actual film and you heard, you'd, you'd see the people farting around the projection booth and you'd mm-hmm. see their shadows going by and you heard the sound of the projector firing up and you the, the burn marks in films telling them when they had to change from one camera to the next and stuff like that. All this is gone, and, and we've had all these advances, but at times I'm not certain that they're good advances for the movie industry. Digital certainly isn't a bad thing, but with the digital age also has come the social media age that people can't disconnect. And I'm not certain that not having that light flashing from the back, projecting things up on screen... That that losing that has also lost people's remembrance that you're not sitting in your goddamn living room. You're sitting in a movie theater watching a movie, and I, I there with some other reason, people, right? That, that are trying to watch this movie, right? That now you fl- shined a light in front of them. Well, we're in the me generation now, completely. So it, it it doesn't matter who else is around. In in most people's eyes, they're the only person around. They're the only person that matters. And who cares if I fire up this and start texting or talking and stuff? It, it's 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 just bullshit. It, it's it's gradually ruining the theater going experience. And I would extend this a little further too and say it also has drastically changed how you view movies at home. Because half the time, I guarantee, when people fire up a movie at their house, they're not really watching that movie. No. They are clearly sitting there. Texting, surfing the internet on their laptop or iPad mm-hmm. or whatever. That there is the the act of putting in the movie is all they've done. That well, they couldn't the tell you what you the can, plot was. That you can pause it, or you know, or all of a sudden the cat distracts you. Yeah. Stuff you're missing. Depending on what you're watching, you could be missing critical elements of a film that would completely change your mind on mm-hmm. a film. Um, and, and I don't know. Maybe we're just too absorbed in film. I don't know. I don't think I am. I think no. I just enjoy the medium. No. Well, it, it, my thought process is those people spend... What we just saw for Captain America, people have been working on for two years. Mm. All they're asking me is for my entry fee to get in to see it, my eight bucks, and two hours and 20 minute investment. Mm-hmm. I can give them that. And I know what I'm going into when I get there. Right. I can I can I can give them that disconnect for that long to see what they work so damn hard on, right. and and uh, as a result, hey, hopefully you get what you were looking for. But people need to disconnect for that bit. You actually will enjoy the movie more, hopefully, or at least you can have a true opinion because you have sat and watched the movie, right. not just had it on the background as nothing but just background noise, right. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's getting frustrating and, and I hate going to movies and it wasn't too bad today. I, I, I there's reasons why I, I go to earliest possible showings in the day and not nighttime showings when the theater's packed because the less people that are there, the less opportunity for somebody to just be an asshole and make right. this, uh, and, and bluntly, experience. and as much as I know, this sounds like our parents talking, 
the certain age groups that have a tendency to all show up on a Friday or Saturday night at 7 o'clock are the most frustrating ones to deal with. So by going now, they're not at these movies yet. Right. And that, that plays Because they don't fine. care. They're right. just out. They're out with their buddies. And, and they have just, no respect for another No, it doesn't mean anything to them. And it's not all of them. But, but oh, it doesn't no, take no. all of them. It just takes one. Right. And they ruin that experience. Yeah. Hell, I actually thought... Somebody was going to have to talk to the ones today that were sitting there shooting the show on the stairwell while we were waiting for the first clip. I honestly thought somebody would, but luckily one of their own buddies shushed them just yeah. so that they could watch the clip. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's frustrating. Again, people just disconnect well, for the, a few. St- yeah, exactly. Nothing nothing annoys me more than the, the little cell phone light that goes on. And oh. like, if you can't... If, if you've decided that in the middle of a movie you have to check your Facebook or you have to text or, or something, then it tells me that you don't care about the movie. Right. Leave. Yeah. Just leave. And and uh, and I'm sure there's some people saying, well, yeah, but if they're checking their phone for the clock alone, you know what? It doesn't matter. Going into that movie, you know when it begins and you know how long it runs. Right. So, so you it's know somewhere the in between that. Right. And if you need to, if you if you're just checking because you're bored, then you don't then, like the movie. Right. Then leave. leave. Right. No one's telling you that you have to stay there. And and, and then there's always those people. Well, you know, I, I, what if I'm expecting a phone call? It's an emergency thing. Great. Well, maybe you Way to be throw the random theater. bullshit. Maybe you should be dealing with your first with your other right. shit first. Right. Or, here's an idea, if all else fails and you've got to go, and I'll throw the totally ridiculous situation. Your wife's at home and she could go into labor any moment, <laughs> then sit in the back row. Because if you bring up your phone there and you look, you're bothering nobody else. Or, if there is a chance that somebody sit next to you, sit in the back row, one of the end seats, so you can pull your phone out at an angle and you won't bother. There are ways you can go around it, but typically it's a person who wants to sit right dead center that's going to do this. Right. And there's also a difference. You can tell the people that are checking real quick, because all of a sudden their phone went off, they tend to look real quick and put it right away. But the Facebook people are something else entirely. Because right. theirs will come out. Four or five times for five minutes apiece, maybe. Right. Which my math says, and you're talking about a third of the movie you've spent checking your goddamn Facebook page. Right. And me getting to watch you check it. Right. I hate Facebook. I don't need to see people checking my page. Uh, it is, for me, it's not even about hating Facebook. It's just, you know, just disconnect for time. Right, no. What I mean is, just, it just gives me more reason to dislike it. But uh, unfortunately, uh, I think this is a trend that's going to continue to grow and get worse. And, and yeah, and, and it's eventually going to to morph the the whole movie going experience to even further away from things that we're going to make it a less enjoyable experience for well, those of us who actually go to watch. When it. you have theaters that are, are considering lifting the request for people to stop not to text and stuff yeah, it's going in the right. wrong direction it will be the end yeah. of theater as we know it It'll, cinema will be destroyed but it, this also brings up another point though people that avoid going to the cinema because they say ah, it's just as good to watch it at home no it really isn't it's because those distractions experience. will pop up sure and and even in my house, much of a movie fan I am I've got a dog that needs to go out about every hour when he's getting bored I've got to go. I, if I'm in the house, it's easier to get up and pause and go to the, the bathroom. But like most people, to me, watching a movie is a lot like reading a book. The first five minutes when you start reading a book, you're probably not absorbed in it whatsoever. 
It takes some time to get back into that mindset. Watching a movie is the same way. If you're pausing it five times, at no point are you truly getting into the mindset of watching a film. Right. It's a totally different experience. Yep. So, it's today what? April 5th? Yes. So, earlier this week, we had to endure the annual rite or ritual of April 1st. April uh. Fool's Day. This is probably the dumbest, quote-unquote, holiday ever invented. Oh, it's, and it's obnoxious. it has run its course. And what really set me off on this rant, what really annoys me is website who thinks they're being funny by switching things around or morning radio show uh, who will, <laughs> will change their format or so and sit back like people like we're sitting around laughing. Oh, this is the funniest thing. You know what? It's the same shit. It's been played year. Oh, we're gonna change our format to Spanish today, and all of a sudden, all, you turn it on, and all of a sudden, there's Latin music. And you know what I'm doing? I'm turning it off. I am and turning you've lost it me for the day. Right, I'm done. Yeah, exactly. And it's the same with websites. I'm looking at websites, and all of a sudden, there's a couple of websites out there. They switched writers, and one website did did all articles about a certain topic, which was just a dumb topic. This stuff was played. You know, from the radio show perspective, that's that was marginally funny 30 years ago. Right. It's not funny anymore. The website switch off, not funny. It's stupid. When all, was you're, the, all I'm doing is not paying attention to your website for the day. I'll throw this out to you. When was the last time you did an April Fool's joke? I, I, I couldn't maybe tell you if I ever did. And if you did, maybe school? Maybe when I was 10? Right. And that's just it. Why is it? That all these groups still do it when clearly most people outgrow it by the time they hit uh, maybe maybe high school, if not junior high. You know why they do it? Because there's still dumbasses out there that fall for the show. Oh, yeah. There's still somebody calling into a radio station demanding to know why they changed the format, oblivious to the fact that it's April 1st. Mm-hmm. It's but it's just it's, not funny. And, and is that a good thing too? Is it a good thing that you just irritated somebody for no reason other than to say April Fools? Yeah. What's the point? Just, what's the payoff? What have you gained? What is your payoff? <laughs> All you've done is pissed off somebody who may borderline meant maybe slightly not all there. But still, you took a fan and you ruined their fucking day. So what's right. the point? Right. Or I don't understand it. Or you'll get uh, you'll get that that internet article about how well, you saw what Michael Sarah was. Yeah. Uh, Michael Sarah is going to be the the Riddler in Batman vs Superman. And my first thought when I mentioned it to you, I, and I sent her in for blank. I said, "Have you heard this? Because I'm assuming April Fools here." Right. And it was the same sites that seemed to fall for this shit every time yeah. that are just known for, or fall for nothing, probably in cahoots, they're probably even tied together for it. And But what what do they gain by it? Did they have the discussion boards where they lit right up with people saying, oh my god, this is a great casting group. But at the end of the day, all you're going to say is, haha, we put one over on you internet people. Right. Great. Now what? Yeah, exactly. So, so, you, so you've proven what? You've proven that there are people that go to your site looking for news and you fucking lied to them that day. Right. Awesome. That's yeah. just perfect. Right. 
I, I, I have no comprehension of what the gains are by anybody falling into this April Fool's thing. Or anybody who just even cares at this point. I, I, I just, I, I don't, yeah, I don't get okay. it. It's not funny. It, all it does is it gives people stops. a chance to, to fuck with you for one day. Right. It, you know what it is? It's a very lighthearted version of the purge. For one day, all <laughs> bets are off. Right. They get to lie to you. They get to pull shit on you. And at the end of the day, they go, ha-ha, right. we got you. And you go, great. Thank you. Um, well, actually, and no, you, you, you didn't. Well, you did. <laughs> that morning when I fired up and saw what you were doing, I shut you off for the day. And if you had anything worth saying, I missed it. I didn't go to you. I went to somebody who actually cared enough to not give me any lies and just give me what I'm looking for. Right. Good. Good job. But it's getting to the point now where I just won't even, I won't even go on the internet. I won't even yeah. uh, watch television. I won't do anything on April Fool's because I, 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 I just don't want to put up with your bullshit. Right. It's it's just you know, I don't know it's it's childish little bullshit that doesn't end and I don't get it at yes. some point it's been played enough just stop it yeah just stop it yeah. so David Letterman's retiring he's he announced is. his retirement in 2015 yep uh you ever did you like Letterman I never got Letterman at the level people did but I will admit in the 80s I I. I admit that he had a very 80s type brand to him. There was something kind of cool and different about his joking style. I liked Letterman in the 80s. Uh, Carson was fine, but Carson just felt like that was your parents. Right. Carson felt like if you're watching him, you're like, yeah, I love Carson. But Carson was a throwback. Carson right. was something you just... That if they rolled that out now would never work. No, and Letterman you just knew was... That he knew a lot of these people back in the day. edgy, <laughs> younger guy that, you know, did some different things. Yep. Uh, was funny. And then gradually, when Carson went, uh, went away and Leno took over, and then it just became this Leno versus Letterman thing... Um, I don't know, Letterman became, I think, more obsessed at that point with keeping up with the Joneses than just doing his own thing. I would agree. Which were, like, you take Conan O'Brien. Who, to me, all of them did his own thing from the get-go. And continues to do his own thing. And people may like it or they may not, but you're getting Conan. You're getting his brand. But everybody is so hell-bent on comparing... Leno versus Letterman, yeah. Letterman versus Leno, and, and each side had their, you know, their their diehard legion of fans, yeah. and it was always a them versus them kind of thing, and I think that it's almost like those two hosts just got so caught up in what the other guy was doing, and rather just do your own and thing. And they lost sight of, and you know what, in, in all actuality, as much, and again, I, I've never been a Fallon guy, but I will admit, he also has his own brand, so mm-hmm. the whole time... The people that were rising at that point were, we've already mentioned Conan O'Brien. Now, granted, he got fucked over on the initial NBC thing when Leno was first being removed. Fallon and Kimmel were the two that have risen. Why? Because they have their own brand. They don't care to follow what these guys have been doing all along, which is going to be a very interesting thing now for, uh, for CBS to look at when it comes to finding Letterman's replacement. Because you've got to believe they're going to want to go with another person who's willing to have a fresh face and fresh taste. Well, here, and this was interesting, too. I thought that, that Letterman has has pretty much come out and said that 
uh, or his insiders have said that the reason he's decided now is the time to retire is because Fallon's blowing him away. Yep. He just doesn't want to f- have to fight that battle now. What's the point? Let just pass it he's on. He's what sixty seven, right? Ah, uh, yeah, he's up in his sixties. And I mean, at this point, it really doesn't matter. Well, you 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 heard the little story he gave as to how he knew it was done, right? Uh, About the whole sure. eagle story. The eagle story. Well, he, he's become. Isn't a, that an Eric Clapton group? Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. If we're using revisionist history, certainly, <laughs> yes, right, right, right. which you've tried before. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. It, 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 I'm, I'm going to give a bastardized version of the story, but I know he's become a bird watcher. And he got home from work, and, and there was a... And his wife asked how his eagle told day went. To quit? No, he basically... His wife asked how his day went, and he gave this whole story about, you know, this bird that he followed. He, he got a hold of some Audubon sign in Montana, whatever. They think they've classified it. That's an immature uh, bald eagle and everything else. His wife says, An immature bald eagle? So he, like, he, like, plays pranks? Yes. He falls for, he does the April Fool's Day <laughs> <Yes>. shit. <laughs> and his wife said, great. No, I mean, who were you guess? And he said, I couldn't remember. He said, and at that point I realized that maybe it's time. That I'm just, it, it's starting to pass me by. And I'm sure that that's the, that's the joking way of putting right. And then when you have the Fallons and you have the Kimmels that are just starting right. to blow away. It's a away, three-horse race now with the with Kimmel, Fallon, and Letterman. Um, right. Yeah, Conan really doesn't even come into it. The move to TBS hasn't done him any good. No, uh, Kimmel's, I get it, Kimmel's but... pulling Letterman ratings, and Fallon is blowing both of them away. Yeah. at this point, um, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see who they who they pick for, like to the next one. I know, again, you know, Ellen DeGeneres' name's getting thrown out there again, which would be an interesting choice because. Because there is no female in the picture in, in Late Night. Well, if that's the but case. But I'm not sure Ellen's the right fit if, there. If Ellen's, you're going for the female, then as much as I'm not a big, the biggest fan, but I get it. But it's a Chelsea walking away from her e-contract is an interesting name you could true, put out there. True, it, it could be an interesting bit of timing here with Chelsea saying, fuck you, And I think she fits e. more into that younger female she does. demographic. Ellen still feels... Ellen still feels like a just happier version of Oprah with her daytime show. She 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 sort of uh, she sort of caters to a yes a female audience, but a female audience that that tend, trends a little older at times. I'll I'll throw this out there in my mind, and again, I'm not saying any not trashing Ellen. Her audience skews more to the housewife or house husband set that that mm-hmm. that. If you get home in the afternoon, just want something lighthearted. Right. She doesn't play out as somebody that you want to stay up until eleven thirty at night to watch. Right. Oh, exactly. they, it just doesn't feel like that kind of thing to me. Right. And I don't. I don't know why she'd make the move anyway. She's already got the job. She's making a boatload of money in the oh, middle no. of the afternoon. So why move to some go into a late night show? Right. I, I, I don't get where she comes out here. No. Well, I mean, that's just a name. Uh, that's a, well, a, no, an I, obvious heard, name. I heard the name actually around. bandied about. And, and I know there's a few dudes that mentioned, even though I do think it's time to find a good female to put in there. Right. And, I mean, there's there's other people you could you could bubble up to. Right. I just don't know if, if they're, I mean, a person who I've seen do plenty of interviews and I think could pull it off, I just don't know if they'd have any real traction to be like a Sarah Silverman type. 
I, I think she could play off a little too adult for their blood. Um, right now, with the names, it's all the rage is Amy Schumer. Her show, yeah. hers is the next show to be a massive hit on Comedy Central. Yeah. Again, uh, and I've heard, I, I don't remember what I, I heard see, about it. Uh, I just uh, don't know if she really has that kind of mass appeal yet. It'd be interesting to see if they would ever consider Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, not together, but those, those they, kind of Now, that's an interesting do. 30 pair. Rocks done. Right. And all Tina's really doing, I know she's got a, she's working on another show, which has been greenlit, but I don't know if she's actually in it or just producing it. Right. And Polar, Polar, I mean, Parks and Rec, it, it, it does slightly above community ratings. It's there. It, it's, it's survived. It, it's built up some traction, but still not a, a runaway success. No, but we're still talking it's going to be another year before a lot of right. even even hangs it up but i don't know yeah i i, I think it's time for let i think letterman is is one of the old yeah, old and, guard and it's just time to move on and as much as i haven't been a massive fan lately or no, in quite some time i still give too much of his do. too much of his politics have come right. into, into play towards the later years and i you know that's that's not why i turn into those types no. of shows no I, I i i actually just turn i like a good skit yeah. I like a good monologue, and then I'm like most people, all right, tell me who your guests are. Yeah. Depend upon the host, I may have interest and I may not. Uh, honestly, Leno, I don't care about watching him interview anybody. Kimmel, I think, does some great, great exchanges with his guests, so right. I, I dig it enough. Right. All right, well, uh, we'll break here real quick. We'll come back with a little What We Watched. Come on, Ed. Let's go to the movies. Let's go see the stars. Yes. Cowboy heroes, cops and robbers, glamorous drunks, bigger than life. Sitting in the darkness, what a world to see. Let's go to the So we actually have some flicks to talk about. We do this week. Um, why don't we jump in on the one that we've both seen? That's a fitting place to start. Yes. Um, the Grand Budapest Hotel. Who are you? I'm Zero, sir. The new lobby boy. Zero, you say? Yes, sir. Well, I've never heard of you. Never laid eyes on you. Who hired you? Mr. Mosher, sir. Mr. Mosher. Yes, Monsieur Gustav. Am I to understand you've surreptitiously hired this young man in the position of a lobby boy? He's been engaged for a trial period, pending your approval, of course. Uh, perhaps, yes. Thank you, Mr. Mosher. You're most welcome, Mr. Gustav. You're now going to be officially interviewed. Uh, should I go and light the candle first, sir? What? No. Experience. Hotel Kinski, kitchen boy, six months. Hotel Berlitz, Mop and Boom, three months. Before that, I was a skillet scrubber. Experience the zero. Thank you again, Mr. Gustav. Great in that camp, Anatole. The pleasure's mine, Vishnu. Mr. Asbuster, these are not acceptable. I fully agree. Education. I studied reading and spelling. I started my primary school. I almost finished. Education, zero. Now it's exploded. Good morning, Cicero. Call the goddamn plumber. This afternoon, Mr. Gustav. Will that fail for a legal analysis? Not now. Family? Zero. Six, you go. 
film by Wes Anderson uh, lives up to expectations. It most certainly did. Now, granted, we we are Wes Anderson fans, so we yep. we we get his quirky. Admittedly, sense of I humor. haven't seen every film. Of his. No, I, I I would agree. But what I have seen, uh, I enjoy the hell out of. Yep. Um, but I get where it's you either love Anderson or you hate Anderson. Right. They, 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 it, yeah. It, it, again, comedy is subjective, and his comedy is very subjective. Right. It, and I, I would never. Somebody said, "Ah, uh, you know, I tried. It's just too dry. It doesn't work." Fine. I, I, that's awesome. Right. No problem. Uh, it's definitely a, a very quirky uh, sense of humor. Um, it, there's. It's it's interesting in how he he gets his dialogue across, um, how he uses very distinct muted tones mm-hmm. in his films, and the way he pretty much the, everything is so perfectly centered on screen. You you feel like you're almost watching a snapshot. Yeah, it, it, and it. Everything has a very postcard feel. Yep. Right down to this, the, the weird filters that he uses to, because all the colors pop, but man, they still, there. Everything is shot through this this hazed filter, like almost like it's this dreamlike thing, and I, I don't know how other to to explain it. Right. And and it basically makes you realize how much to him his characters are still set pieces. That 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 no character in a Wes Anderson movie is intended, or no actor portraying a character will be allowed to be bigger than the character they're supposed to portray, let alone bigger than the rest of the movie. They're all moving pieces that he uses however he wants to, right. and all that plays out here too. Um, I still think, at the end of the day, I think Moonrise Kingdom for me is still my favorite. But it Grand, is for me. But Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, is is right up there. I mean, we're 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 splitting hairs here. Hey, it's because, one and one a, but yeah, it, this this flick it, again. It's not one. He, his style of humor is not one of those you're going to be sitting there busting your gut over. Oh God, no! But just the performance he the performances he gets out of his actors with the quirky dialogue. Just sometimes it's it's visual humor mm-hmm. more than than anything that they're talking about on, on screen and and I love the hell out of uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. What I what I really love about this movie too is if he's done one that whose humor and I, I not having seen Fantastic Mr. Fox, I need to put that out there. Yeah. But if he's going to do a his brand of comedy, his brand of movie that could have some bigger mass appeal I think Grand Budapest is it. I I, 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 I do. I don't think that this one... Moonrise Kingdom is a great movie, but still there's a certain amount of a very dry humor to it that I don't know plays out with as much mass appeal. Some of the scenes of in this, when it turns into a chase scene kind of film, I think could play to a larger audience. When I say larger, I'm not saying that all of a sudden this thing is going to have everybody wish saying that they're Wes Anderson fans, though. But but he draws well, comparatively. Yeah, it, it, this um, movie's doing great, too. Yeah, it, it amazes me, because when I saw Moonrise Kingdom two years ago, or whatever it was, uh, was it last year? No, it was two that years was ago. two years ago. Um, you know, I saw that in the theater, and I was amazed by the amount of 
older people mm-hmm. that were in this. Which played out with Grand Budapest, too. Exactly. So, and I have to wonder, I mean, Wes Anderson's not an old guy by any stretch. Um, where he acquired such and like an older skewed audience. Uh, yeah, I don't even know how they'd find out about this guy. I, I, I just don't. But it seems to be that way. Yeah. And maybe it's, maybe it's the actors he brings in, too. I mean, you know, I mean, he does tend to... <laughs> To work a lot with the same types of actors. He uses Bill Murray a lot. Uh, He uses uh, 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 Tilda Swinton a lot. Ed Norton. Ed Norton. Yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, people, and and they're all phenomenal in this flick too. Oh hell yeah! Um, Who uh, who did he use in this one? Uh, Ralph Fiennes. Was it Ralph Fiennes? There's there's too many Fiennes. Yeah, I I think this one was Ralph. Yeah. Um, He used. Uh, Bob Balaban was in it real yeah. quick. Sorce uh, Ronan. Cherche Ronan. Um, oh, at the F. Murray Abraham. Right. Uh, Jason Schwartzman, who's another that's in a lot of his yeah. movies. Yeah. Uh, Jude Law. This Jude Law was the it was the uh, the guy talking to getting the story from F. Murray. Ah, uh, right, 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 right. I'll be and talking more about Jude Law in a few minutes. Tom. Uh, who was the the guy who was actually author? Tom, oh, what's his last name? Wilkerson is that uh, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Played the uh, actual author, right, of the book. Right. No, I I I enjoyed the hell out of Grand Budapest. I, and actually, that brings up one more layer that yeah. I, I about this movie that fascinating me. Layer is, away. I thought this movie was also expertly crafted in as much as you had three layers here. You had it being told by the author. Who got his story from the whole Jew law, going back to the Jew law being told by F. Murray Abraham, mm-hmm. then from the eyes of F. Murray Abraham's character Zero right. as a young kid. So that was, that was the layers. only that was the only stretch I was I had a hard time making. Was, was that, that, that was Zero, zero? <laughs> turned into F. Murray yeah, Abraham? Yeah, it was. It was that was a little. If you had used Ben Kingsley there or something, yeah. I could have. I could have made that stretch. Yeah, yeah. The nationality <laughs> issue, <Yes>. certainly. <laughs> right, right. I, yeah, I, I, I had. I struggled with that. I would agree. There, there, there was some trouble, and um, I struggled with the old lady boob scene early on too. Yeah, that was that was a little troublesome. <laughs> no, nah, but I mean, if you're a fan of Wes Anderson, uh, oh, there's really? a whole lot to love here. Uh, if you're not, there's probably nothing here that's going to sway you into, nope. into this favor. And, but and no problem, I get it. <laughs> so. For me, it, it was you know, it was an easy four out of five. And for me, a four and a half out of five. Right on, right on. So what else did you see? I saw the moderately recent release. It's a VOD and uh, DVD movie, uh, Better Living Through Chemistry, oh, with cool. Sam Rockwell and Olivia Wilde, and Sam Rockwell, oh, right. oh hell yeah, especially Olivia this. Wilde's hot too, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. and Michelle, uh, what was the name that we were discussing, not Monaghan, Michelle Monaghan, yeah, yeah. play, uh, basically Michelle Monaghan, you know she just signed on for a Sandler flick, oh Jesus <sighs> Christ, I suddenly don't like her as much, no doubt, uh, basically Sam Rockwell plays a, a pharmacist in a little town, uh, his wife is Michelle Monaghan, who, at pregnancy, uh, gained all the weight, so 
when she had the kid, then she went totally overboard, becoming this total fitness person to the point where she's one of those extreme bike trainer people that shouts at her, her people in their CrossFit classes. And, and he still plays the, the, the measly little pharmacist guy. And basically his story is that he knows the secrets that a lot of people don't want, don't tell. He's the one that gives Valtrex the, the Valtrex prescription to the local postman. And he knows all this about people. Enter Olivia Wilde, who's, Husband, Wouldn't we all like to do uh, that? And <laughs> she gets entered in this film, yes. <laughs> who's is the admitted trophy wife to a very wealthy older husband who's got heart conditions. She picks up his meds for when the guy comes to town. He hand, she hands him to him and off he goes. And these two people who have clearly no more relationship with their spouses start building their own bond. And as their bond builds to something that becomes inside Olivia, she harbors the idea, well, you know, I come to get my his meds all the time. Do you ever experiment with your own meds? And they start getting into drug experimentation with these, these medical concoctions he has. And during one of his little stupors, he mentions, you know, it'd be so easy for me to kill your husband because with all these meds I do... If I give him the wrong med just once, his heart condition makes him go away. Um, Hello. Hey, it's me, it's Dork. Hey, hi. What's going on? What's going on is that I've got a DEA agent going through my inventory. That's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Do you know what will happen if we get caught? Whoa, 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 calm down. All right, take a deep breath. act cool, then he's going to think that everything is normal. Exactly. Papa Zanny. Take it easy, baby. Besides, the DEA agent who investigates pharmacies, come on, please. This guy probably accidentally shot his gun and got demoted. Thanks. You're the best. Okay, I'm busy. I gotta go. Are we all done here? I uh, just need to see the stuff with the pseudoephedrine. Right. Uh, I got a box. Take it somewhere. Right over here. Interesting idea. I think that this kind of movie's played out to a certain extent. Maybe not in this detail, but certainly the, okay, so is she or is she not? Did she have this plan in her mind the whole time before she started hanging with Sam Rockwell? You've seen it. It, it. It's called a dark comedy. Unfortunately, there's really not that much funny here. The other problem I have is Sam Rockwell's a tough one to cast as the measly type, as a wormy guy, because coming so closely to what we saw in The Way, Way Back, where he he's, I don't, don't want to say he's super type A, but has one of those personalities you just find yourself one to hang with. It, it's a tough sell here. And as he starts trying to show his, his wife how good he can be, looking at him going, at no point did Wormy Guy work. And so I, I think that the movie, to a certain extent, suffers just from its own casting, that you don't buy that Sam Rockwell could be the guy that would require this. 
Sam Rockwell is Sam Rockwell. They should have gone somebody a little more wormy. If a few of the jokes had landed, maybe I would enjoy the, the movie more. It just didn't. Other than Olivia Wilde and the fact that Sam Rockwell's in it, and I dig Sam Rockwell, there's really not much you can promote here. It, you won't hate the movie. I didn't love it. I'd say a two out of five. Right. Better yeah. living through chemistry. Yeah. Awesome. I saw Noah. When I heard talk of miracles, I dismissed them. But then I saw the birds with my own eyes, and I had to come. There isn't anything for you here. <laughs> this all belongs to me. This land, this forest, that stronghold of yours. Did you really think you could protect yourself from me in that? It's not protection from you. Then what is it? An ark. To hold the innocent. When the creator sends his deluge to wipe out the wicked from this world. Return to your cities of Cain. No, we have all been judged. I have men at my back, and you stand alone and defy me. I'm not alone. Um, the new film by Darren Aronofsky, and that, that seems weird to say, knowing the types of movies we've gotten from Darren Aronofsky mm -hmm. in the past. You know, Black Swan, and The Wrestler, and uh, Pie, and, and things like that. Um... I think he did pie. Didn't he do pie? I believe so, yeah. yes. Um, you know, definitely uh, smaller movies. Uh, this this was the first, his first real shot at a high budget. What did The Fountain cost? I don't know. I, I've never looked into that. I've never seen the movie, so it's kind of hard for but me to... It's, but it still was never... No, that, that was never this big, right. epic type film. Right. Um, now, full disclosure, I'm not Bible guy. I, I I know the story of Noah on a very high ten thousand foot level only because you know who doesn't who doesn't at least know the name Noah and Noah's Ark and stuff and animals two by two going to the ark right. giant rains and floods and stuff. Hell, like that. I remember watching one of those movies in the the seventies when they claimed that they thought they'd found the ark on yeah, Mount yeah, Ararat. They used to play on like Friday night, you're going bullshit. You didn't right. find it. Um I mean but, but that's where my uh you know who Noah was uh it, it was lost on me that, that he was supposed to be five hundred plus years old and stuff. Um I just never I never got into religion or or the Bible to any great detail to know anything above just your your standard uh first paragraph of Wikipedia of, of Noah. Mm -hmm. Um so that said, going into this flick, I was able to sit back and just enjoy the ride as it was being told. I didn't I wasn't uh I, I didn't even know perhaps what was and what wasn't uh biblically accurate or and such and from what i understand quite a bit of it was not apparently I, there weren't giant rock monsters <laughs> that helped him build an ark <laughs> oh i would love it if they were giant now, rock monsters i, in the I bible. might actually i might actually <laughs> have read the bible story had, had i known there were giant rock because monsters. in my mind it's no more or less far-fetched than the story they're already given me so <laughs> well and, and that's just it i'm sitting there and i'm like all right i, I get this is supposed to be like you know, a parable from the Bible, and 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 the stuff that you read in the Bible is is 
it's out there. It's it's definitely you, you definitely have to take a lot of a lot of what comes out of there on faith because you know it, it's just not plausible. Mm-hmm. In many regards, this movie is not plausible, but you know it's a biblical story, so you can sort of set that aside. Giant rock monsters, all right. You say so, giant rock monsters. Um, I enjoyed the flick. Uh, I thought I, Russell Crowe is is sort of a master at these types of roles in these giant fantasy epic type roles. I thought, and I thought he was great here. Uh, you have Emma Watson and Jennifer Connelly in here who. Uh, lesser roles, but still effective uh, with what they're doing. Um, there was sort of a little sigh. He had uh, three sons. Um, they sort of tried to wedge in this little side story about his middle son, Ham, who, again, I'm not a Bible guy. Apparently there was uh, somebody named Ham who had some, some issues going on back in the Bible, and I, and I, don't, I don't know anything about it. But this, he was played by Logan Lerman, the other two sons, the older and the, and the youngest, really weren't given a whole lot to do because I don't know how relevant they are to the story. But Ham's was sort of just sort of wedged in there because, you know, there was, you got to have this one protagonist who was, uh, I forget the actor's name, but he, he's the, he leads the, uh, the descendants of Cain. And this is why God is sort of, he's never referred to as God here, he's the creator. Um, he has fallen, the humanity has fallen out of favor with the creator. That's why he's speaking to Noah through visions and dreams and stuff like that, that he's going to destroy the world, that Noah needs to save the innocents, uh, AKA the animals and his own family build the ark, such and such. So, uh, the descendant of Cain who has, pillaged and raped and stole and stuff and has really just just turned humanity into just a bunch of douchebags um those are the ones that 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 god just wants to sort of wipe his slate clean and restart i didn't know god was allowed a do-over but if god wants a do-over is god admitting his own his own uh, fallacy here yeah, because I you, thought he was infallible. Right, and now <laughs> now you're getting into dogma places. Right. right, and and if he if he is if there is fallibility, will he eventually wipe Adam Sandler movies off the face well, of the earth? You would think Adam Sandler movies are proof that God does not exist. <laughs> uh, there may be a devil. But, uh, anyway, um, so <clears throat> being the protagonist. Uh, Tubal Cain is his name. For some reason, he's like the only one that manages to stow away on the Ark. And Ham sort of like uh, befriends him and and helps him, you know, sort of nurses him back and helps helps him plot taking down Noah and stuff like that. So I thought it was a little ridiculous that that a he was even on the ark and all this stuff and it it just sort of sort of doesn't doesn't work in the context of the Noah story. Um, but overall, it looked good. There's definitely a lot of uh, traditional Aronofsky in there. The way he uses uh, some of his camera angles from behind characters, first person views. 
you know how you get sort of like if if the scene calls for chaos you get you get the sense of, of first person chaos mm -hmm. through the eyes of similar like he did in Black Swan and yep. stuff like that. So there's a lot there. I mean, it's an ambitious film. Uh, you knew right from the get-go that it was going to have a lot of controversy around it simply because it's a biblical epic. You know, the people are going to take... A lot of people are going to take this uh, as an affront to their belief system and such. Um, but at the end of the day, if you can go into this understanding that this is a Hollywood movie... And it's just Aronofsky's vision, and it, nobody is trying to say that this is uh, biblically accurate to the or to the Bible. Um, you could probably have a decent time with it. Um, you know, I, I thought some of the CGI effects eh, a little less impressive than I would have thought Aronofsky would uh, let him get away with. Um, but, but not under, unentertaining. I, I was entertained the whole time, mostly probably because of the, of the performances and some of the visuals, uh, uh, were pretty impressive. It, it was good. I, I give it a three out of five. That may be, I may be, I may be a little generous with that. Um, but you know, I also get, I also get where people won't like the movie, but it wasn't any kind of affront to me because I didn't. I have a whole lot of biblical reference yeah. anyway, so I didn't really care. Um, so three out of five. All right. Well, I watched uh, another VOD type movie, The Bagman. You're going to be in room number six. I want room thirteen, please. Thirteen. Yeah. How many people ask for room 13? So it's available, yeah. Was you asked to ask for that number? Asked to ask. Were you? I'm asking you. Room 13. My lucky number, I'm a contrarian, you know? You're either a contrarian or you're a victim. <laughs> You'll be in room number 13. That's not an interconnecting room. Interconnecting? You can't go from one room to the next without going outside of the door. Is that all right with you? I don't give a fuck. Which is John Cusack and uh, Robert De Niro, the two main characters. De Niro being a total slug. Which, there was a time when De Niro did these huge films. Uh, what has happened to De Niro? I, I, I mean, honestly. De Niro used to be this larger-than-life actor. And I think that he, he he started getting cast in movies that he should never have said yes to, like the Fokker series. And I would even go so far as saying, like, analyze this. And I like analyze this. The first one of those movies is a good movie. But you can almost start seeing the pathway to destruction here for Robert De Niro. Is De Niro overrated? I, I'm beginning to think to a certain extent he is. That he has done some great work in movies. But these movies are a long time removed from now. The last movie I can say that he was in that I thought was great. Well, I, Silver Linings Playbook, but he wasn't any kind of central character. But he was good in it. He, he was good. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. That, and, but, it, but he didn't have to own that film. And maybe that's what it is. 
maybe if you write a character in a character-driven story that has some of the eccentricities that we know De Niro has, then he's fine in it. But if you don't play those up, if you just try to basically say, ah, here you go, we'll put Robert De Niro in it, it's not necessarily a good thing, because before that, I would go all the way back to maybe Casino. It would be the last great movie that he was in. The last great movie he was in, or the last movie he was great in? The last, in my mind, the last great movie. you look at Casino, Scorsese. Yep. Look at Taxi Driver, Scorsese. Yep. Goodfellas. Scorsese. Scorsese. Is Scorsese getting... And I was going to say, in Cape Fear was Scorsese too, right? I don't know. I think that he was his remake. Maybe Scorsese knows how to get what we want out of De Niro. And and De Niro can't... Maybe De Niro can't do as well if he's not under the the guidance of somebody who's it, it may very well be it, it could just are we, be are we claiming here are the ninjas claiming that Robert De Niro is not that good of an actor I don't know if I'd go that far our three listeners could could revolt I, I would argue that it could be that he's not that great of an actor anymore because certainly, if you go back and watch his portrayal of like Max Cady, yeah, and and uh, yeah, I just lost the name of the movie that I just mentioned. Cape Fear. Cape Fear. That was next level. He was awesome in that role. But I don't know Not if so much in uh, Frankenstein, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Mm, no, <laughs> even though I'm not a person who despises that movie no, like I, a lot of people I, do. I'm not either. But it, it, I just don't think that was anybody's vision of what a Frankenstein movie should be. That was Branagh, wasn't it? Yeah, Kenneth Branagh. Did he direct it too? I know he starred in it. I don't believe he directed it. No, maybe. But anyway, so here we, it, what scares me is now we have De Niro and, and things that have gone VOD. And, and as the second name after John Cusack, and John Cusack is another one of them that, he's been in some movies we may enjoy for the past 10 years, but I don't always like when John Cusack is the main name on a, on the billing, let alone if it's an action movie. Because yeah. I don't think Cusack screams action. Not to me. Cusack but... will always be the guy to me from the better off deads of the world. Yeah, say anything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's what, that's, so. One of the dorks uh, in uh, 16. Six, yep. It, that's, that's where he came from. That's where he belongs. Fast forward to now, basically this movie is, he's been told to go wait in a hotel room and protect a bag. He can't look in the bag. And it's basically all these people trying to get said said bag from him. And he doesn't know what it is, he just knows he has to protect it with his life. It, it it's plays out as kind of standard action fare. There's some ridiculous scenes because somehow people have... A printed copy of what the bag looks like. So you literally have scenes where some people holding up copy paper shots with a white background of this duffel bag and saying, We're looking for this bag. It really starts, at times you'll watch it thinking, This has got to be a comedy, right? At some point, somebody said, Let's do a comedy and have an action comedy. 
And at the end, they'll open the bag and find out it was something ridiculous. And at times, you're also thinking, so they're just ripping off Pulp Fiction's idea. Where if they look in the bag, look in the briefcase, all of a sudden it's going to be this this super glowing light that you never really figure out what it is, but you know it's something awesome. Unfortunately, the movie isn't awesome. At times, it's out and out boring. And what doesn't help is the the female lead that they have. And I couldn't begin to tell you her name. I'd never seen her before. And I think that somewhere there's a transgender guy that got cast in this role as this female lead. Um, Really wasn't that good. The only real appeal to watching this movie was in Cusack and De Niro... And neither of them were great. Neither I didn't buy for a second what they were giving there. So if you give me a decent action movie, would be fine. They didn't give that. The Bagman, in all honesty, was a waste of an hour and a half. Um, I, I can't even recommend people do anything other than Redbox this movie. If you want to spend your buck fifty on Redbox, fine. Other than that, don't bother. One point five out of five. Wow. All right. Uh, the last flick I saw. I caught Dom Hemingway. Vicky, I'm a mess. Look at me. I'm trying not to. I'm pathetic. I don't belong here. I'm a monster. I'm a dinosaur. Don't forget me this dog. Don't forget oh, that. I've been thrown away. Sent to let the colony. Forgotten about. Left to rot with a maggot. Jesus, Dom. You've got to get control of yourself. You've got to beg forgiveness of him. You've got to put on trousers. I've been locked up for so long, Dickie. I see the light. The air. It's been so long since I've breathed clean air. I look at the clouds and go nuts. You mix in the whiskey. You mix in the pussy. I go crazy. I'm a crazy man. I'm a fucking nutter. I mean, I'm afraid to see my own daughter. Really? You're not too afraid to insult one of the most dangerous men in all of Europe. Unfortunately, you have the brass for that one. Jude Jude Law, as I said uh, earlier, starred in this. And Jude Law is fantastic in this. Uh, great performance uh, from him. Some real smart dialogue in this flick. Um, some some real just just catchy moments, and and he plays off so well. Damien Bashir is in this, and you'll love this. Richard Grant is in this. He's the guy who played the road manager in Spice World. <laughs> And oh my looked, God! He looks just like the road manager in Spice World. Like it's our like, tech guy? Yes, yes. <laughs> George was in the flick. the The thing with this is, it basically um, Jude Law plays Dom Hemingway, who's just spent twelve years of his life in prison for basically refusing to talk. For crimes that Damien Bashir's character did, and now that he's out of prison, he goes back looking for Damien Bashir to get, uh, let's just say, rewarded for his troubles. Um, and Bashir sort of takes care of him, you know, gives him a bunch of money, gives him hookers and stuff like that. But Dom Hemingway has a very angry streak about him um and tends to let his mouth get ahead of him uh and just starts he's an extremely unlikable character uh which makes it difficult when you get to the subplot about how the 12 years that he spent in prison he wasn't around for when his wife died of cancer he wasn't around to help raise his daughter played by amelia clark 
Game of Thrones. Um, doesn't look a thing like what you're used to seeing Amelia Clark in Game of Thrones. Um, so, so Hemingway has these regrets, I guess you could say, um, that he's trying to trying to amend for, but he's such a dick that you never really you really don't want to see him succeed in anything. The daughter it wants nothing to do with him. Uh, until the very end, all of a sudden, unexplicably, she just sort of changes her mind. Um, and after she does that, after you think that there's possibly a window where Hemingway can, can get back in and be a part of, his, uh, of her life, there's another piece that sort of has been playing the whole time that, that sort of indicates to you that he's learned nothing, that he's still a dick, and that's sort of, sort of where it ends. There wasn't a lot of, there was no, to me, there was no evolution of this character. He was a dick at the beginning, he was a dick at the end. And a couple of little forced scenes in which they're trying to convey to you that he has remorse, that he has regret, don't play off for me the way that I think they were intended because I just thought this guy was a douchebag. Couldn't have cared less if he'd have dropped dead. Um, again, Law was fantastic in the role. Um, Bashir's character as just sort of this... Um, I, they never talk about drugs so much, but you can, he plays off like the stereotypical drug cartel kingpin. Mm -hmm. um, but his character is a little bit weird in that you never really know if he's a badass or... If he's faking being a badass and he just has a lot of money to make himself look like one. It, 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 just weird things like that. Um, it, it's not unentertaining at parts um, because of the performances and because of uh, what I thought was a pretty solid script dialogue-wise. Um, but in the end, it, I, didn't, I didn't see what the point was to a lot of it. And you don't really feel like... Don't really feel like... Uh, the character learned anything. You still feel like he's a douchebag at the end. Uh, and to that end, I give it about a two and a half out of five. Hmm. Uh, worth it for the performances. Um, so yeah, that's it. Uh, one last thing we wanted to get into on this was uh, The Walking Dead season four. Yeah, there's a show that's a certainly worthy of discussion. There's still a lot of haters out there for it, but I think the haters are mostly people who. Who just have to hate something that's popular. Yeah. Yeah, oh, and I still love the people that claim that oh, I just don't get how you can turn a, a, a zombie thing into a, a TV show. I don't know. Look at the ratings. Clearly, there's plenty of people out there that do get it. Right. This movie, the, uh, this finale pulled in a 15.7 yeah. as a cable show. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I love it. And I love the and, fact that. Our people are having their day here. The interesting thing for me, though, um, and, and I like the finale, but it's getting to the point where the mid-season finale is actually better than the, the season finales. I would agree. At least, at least that's what it feels like the last two seasons. This, this, this big build-up in getting to Terminus, and, and granted, I've read some of the comics, but I am, I am not far enough in the comic series at this point, to be equal to where the show is. Mm -hmm. So for me, 
what they're rolling out on the show, which I know has never been completely canon with the books. Some of it is, some of it isn't. So I don't really know what to expect here. Um, I, I, I'm smart enough to figure out that that trying to go to some sanctuary na- named Terminus probably isn't going to end with rainbows and unicorns for mm, you. No. Um, and we find that out in the in the finale. But we finally get to this place, Terminus, which they've been building up to for the last the six entire seven. Right, the entire last half of the yes. season for the most part. Right. And I guess, for me, to some degree, it felt a little anticlimactic. Now, it certainly sets up tons of shit for the next season. Mm-hmm. But this is what this felt like. This felt like a setup for bigger things to come later. Didn't necessarily feel so much like a... A big finale. Um, you know, there's there's your cliffhanger, but yeah, I, I I still don't feel like this group of people is going to fall victim to the no. terminus crowd. Maybe maybe, maybe one or two one or fringe two. characters. And there was a time there that it was tense when the, when they had the the guns on them and they were making them go one by one over to that train car mm-hmm. and stuff that was some tense moments there because yep. you were wondering if if somebody here wasn't going to get picked off but you arguably have the four most popular characters in your show in that scene yes and if you'd have popped one of them there it would have <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 the four right there. If you want to start ugliness, yeah, you can. A Maggie or Glenn can go, and, and I mean, people would be pissed, but right. we get over. But the Maggie and Glenn, what they'd be, be more be pissed at. Well, let's be honest. You kill Maggie, you're losing one of the hotter characters in oh, the show. Yeah, but if you kill Maggie and Glenn. The, the people that will be really pissed there are the hopeless romantics. That this is their little bit of romance in the show. Yeah. Which doesn't bubble up anywhere else. Daryl's come close in a few cases. This never seems to end well. Because Beth <laughs> looked like the latest one going his way. And we don't even know what's happened to Beth at this point. Well, there's speculation that Beth may have already uh, become... Might have been invited to supper. Right. So, uh, word it that way for those who... Well, spoiler alert. What What... what they're implying, and I guess if you've read the books, you already know the answers. Or if you spent five minutes on the internet. Well, yeah, and I and I don't do that. But uh, is that terminus is is a bunch of uh, cannibals? It's a cannibal colony. And basically, they were they were shepherded into this rail car. And basically, basically their food storage. And certainly, if you take certain cues that they gave, like the gross little little fenced in area of nothing but spines and stuff right, 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 that right, were right. clearly supposed to be human remains that looked probably like that was a, their slaughter area right and yeah it, which it, is an interesting an interesting twist that i'm interested to see what happens i mean i guess i hope not beth though because i was getting I so i, I was dug that character. i was uh, yeah so the, the, one thing that that show has done and done right is they keep having these little characters that you hear are becoming bigger characters and bigger characters. And this is one that we've had since since the second season, but has grown into being just a great character. And you have the first character that I truly believe 
has been able to elicit any of Daryl's backstory. That we've really gotten a glimpse into Daryl being Daryl. And probably my favorite episode of the second half of the season was the one with the two of them yeah. just kind of getting the little taste of what each other was like. Right. And and certainly, I, I think that the, the, the pieces were better than the whole. The pieces leading up to oh, the yeah, Terminus yeah, yeah. were better than what we got in Terminus because we only got 10 minutes of Terminus. Um, but I'd hate to lose Beth this way. Yeah. And I'm hoping that's not the case. If they want to fry up somebody, fine. There's somebody you can fry up. Well, that, don't fry up Glenn because we'll be hungry again in an hour. Well, they're right. They're, <laughs> and you got to watch about MSG and stuff, too. So, um, But certainly, it's like... The creepy black dude, I'm losing his name, the, the dude that uh, that has the booze problem. Oh, uh, yeah, I can't, Bob? That, is that Bob? sounds right. That even if you saw the Talking Dead, they Sasha commented on Bob, the fact yeah. that that dude, nobody at this point, is just something weird about the way he's popped up. Yeah. And you're supposed to like him, that you just at this point can't. Right. He's an odd dude. Right. I don't know. They there's not not Beth. I hope not. I hope not. I, I I'm I'm preparing myself oh, I'm for pre- the worst. I'm preparing myself for the fact that a lot of times when a character when a person appears on the Talking Dead, it's because we've officially seen the end of their arc. Right. Beth was on the Talking Dead the la- one of the last times we saw her, right. and it could mean that we've officially seen the end of her story arc. Right. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. It, it, Walking Dead, it, it, it does fall into a trap on occasion where you go two or three episodes and it just feels like a slog. Like, mm-hmm. But I have come to the point with them that you have to you have to push through those because their final vision, what they've got coming, what that's all setting up is going to be so freaking fantastic. Yep. Yeah. That it's it's worth it in the end. We learned that with Sophia. Yep. Uh, we've learned yeah. that. Sophia is a great example because talk about a first half a season that really felt like it was in traction. Yeah. But then the Sophia thing happened like... And it was uh, the fun. greatest five minutes of television all year. And, and admittedly, as it was about to happen, you started to realize it was going to happen. Yep. But still, the way they pulled it off, it was just... Almost mind blowing, right. even though it was coming. There's no show on television today, and I, and I group even things like Breaking Bad and things like that into this. There's no show today that sort of breeds water cooler talk like what happened on The Walking Dead. I would agree, and certainly as much as I I don't think we got that much out of the ten minutes in Terminus. Ending it with Rick basically making it clear that these people don't know what they've Some got. Some people thought that was cheesy. Oh, I, I didn't. Because I think we finally started seeing... We're seeing more of Rick, the little talk at the end of, was it season two, where he mm-hmm. basically let people know Time in charge, we yeah. have the Rickocracy, yeah. which he started waffling on. Those horrible episodes when he was chasing the ghost of his, his yeah. ex. Well, his, his, his dead, dead wife. wife. Um... I was starting to get so, you know, Rick can die. I, if I'm going to see this, or Chase the picking up the telephone because he though that's not ringing, thinking that is his, his dead wife calling him, at that point Rick can go. Now we're seeing 
what happened on the road and what almost happened to Carl and what he had to do. Oh, that was awesome. We're seeing that Rick is broke, but Rick's sort of broke now in a way that could make him way more of a survivor yeah. in that kind of situation. Rick, to a certain extent, was getting lucky early on that he had a good bunch of survivors around him. I think Rick has finally caught up to them and maybe moved past. That he is now something to be reckoned with. And that, to me, makes him way more of an interesting character. Well, they, they've done a fantastic job of, of characterization with this uh, with this show. I mean, they, they've done it right, right from the oh, get-go. Yeah. There's no character on this show that you don't have a feeling for one way or the other. Even the minor characters that they've just introduced, you want to learn more about them oh, and things like that. Big time. Um, it, it's it's fantastic. It, it's easily my favorite show on TV right yeah, now. Yeah, I would agree. Completely. Um, so, there you go. That's what we've been watching this week. Let's, uh, let's pause and get into our review of Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Yes, sir. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. He's a ghost. You'll never find him. I joined S.H.I.E.L.D. to protect people. You have to, to build a better world. Sometimes means tearing the old one down. And that makes enemies. is at it again with another uh, another phase two flick Captain America the Winter Soldier um, this is the second third flick post Avengers right Iron Man 3 Iron Man Thor 3, the Dark which World which we weren't big fans of nope. Thor the Dark World 
Which we, we were fans of. I, I dug a lot, even though that didn't feel like an extension of the nope. Avengers quite as much. That that Not one at all. It, it, I loved it. And and I I made the comment back then that I'd almost wish that had been the movie following up the Avengers only because to me Iron Man three just was a letdown. It, it was for me too. Um and I've only seen it the once. I'll watch it again, but uh Yeah, I've seen it twice and it played just the same the second time. Right. Um, so that brings us to Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Uh, I think of all the Phase 1 films, and, and I throw the Hulk thing aside, because the Hulk thing is just weird, because you didn't have the Ruffalo version of Hulk. Right. Um, which I think, I think the first real iteration of the Hulk was the Hulk that Whedon gave us and Ruffalo gave us in the Avengers. Yep. So I kind of throw those out the window. So I'm looking at the Iron Mans, the Thors, the Captain Americas... Um, and, and I think Cap was my least favorite. It's not to say I didn't like the first Avenger. Um, it just was my least favorite. I was, I, I wasn't as invested in that character as much as I were. Well, no. And, and, as and, I was. And for me, it's, well, first, we knew we were going to get a backstory, which is fine. Which is fine. But it's, to me, is the least interesting backstory there is. Right. And, and second, it's honestly... Even in the comics, he's one of my lesser faves. I mean, just never really dug Captain America. Yeah, just, you know, it just wasn't my thing either. Um, so we come to the Winter Soldier here. Um, and for me, I would say that this is the first Marvel film that we can bring into the discussion as being almost as good as the Avengers. Wholeheartedly. Um, this this was a fantastic ride from start to finish. And not not giving out my rating yet, but I no. will say, with the Avengers being the top of the heap, this stands as my the number two of all the Marvel films today. I agree. This this was just a blast. It was to watch nonstop, and even which to say was constant action. But when there well, was other they, stuff going on, they built. The character. Right. And my favorite scene of this movie was early on when he's walking through his own exhibit in the Smithsonian and you're seeing him sort of absorbing, sort of like, almost like reminiscing about what it was back then. Because he's still still struggling to acclimate himself to a new world. Mm -hmm. A world, he's even talking about it in here, about... How it used to be this way, or it used to be this way, and Fury says that we react to the way the world is, not the way the not the way we want it to be, mm-hmm. and he struggles with that. Um, you know, pretty much saying like, "Well, I'm not on board with that," and and I think I have to in that argument, I'm siding with Fury. I would agree completely. Um, you know, we we don't live in the world of the greatest generation anymore, where you can you know throw your bike on on your front lawn and expect it to be there the next day, mm-hmm. and leave your doors wide open and stuff. That that time is gone. No, here's the hand you're dealt. You better play the hand you're dealt, but, and not not wish things were another way. But they're 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 using that to help build the whole Steve Rogers character. Right. This guy's only been in this era for a short amount of time. It, it wouldn't be realistic to think that it would be a struggle for him to give up all the values he had from back then and, and 
and still assimilate that with what we're what he's dealing with today. Especially in knowing that going back, one of the takeaways from the first movie, and and I'm sure it, there's some basis in the comics, is that he is a very value driven character. Mm-hmm. That's what had him as the little little weaklings feeling that he had to try this. That he he his values said. That he had to do this. He's he's proper. He doesn't lie. He's gentleman. He's he's what what people were back mm-hmm. then. Um, and he struggles, and they're doing such a good job at building that character and building that internal struggle with this character. And and it, it played off today just phenomenally for me. Right. Um, I also in they've also gave. Uh, Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson, a lot to do. Oh, with this movie. I, I loved her, and they're building that character. Yeah, um, you know, Nick Fury. You got a lot more about Nick Fury in this in this film. Yeah, not just ten minutes of basically Samuel Jackson being Nick Fury, barking right. out orders. Right. You got a little glimpse into Nick Fury, right? And it was entertaining as hell because I would argue what they gave you today was almost. 180-degree spin from what we'd seen from Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. That 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 we we saw Nick Fury as a person in this guy. You saw him as a person. You saw him as as you know as flawed. And, and for the first time, you're actually starting to see Nick Fury sort of aligning more with Captain America. Maybe you know him thinking that you know what, maybe this is all wrong, mm-hmm. and that. This is, just, I mean, whoever pieced this one together did a did masterful an job. I like to still think that, that Whedon's the godfather seeing over all this stuff. He, he might be. Um, but this 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 level of storytelling out of a Marvel movie uh, was, was terrific. And, and I'll even go to just the first scene with him jogging and yeah. on your left, on your left. And when they... Let's be honest, introduce a huge character right in the first scene. And yet, the way that they managed to introduce Phoenix to the storyline... Falcon. I, I said Phoenix. Falcon. At no point did he burst into flames. No. That would be a very shitty superhero. <laughs> but um, That'd be the Human it, Torch from the Fantastic it, Four. It would be. But we've already got Chris Evans. Uh, we don't need any reminders of the well, old gonna, Fantastic Four I think it's going to be films. Donald Glover... Uh, or Michael, or it was a Donald Glover or Michael B. Jordan. I don't know. We don't want to go down these, this path again, <laughs> the dude. Same guy. <laughs> we we will not tread those <laughs> those grounds again. But it, I, the way that they introduced Falcon out of the gate, it, I just think that right now Marvel is starting to has really shown that they're getting it, that they have a great idea, and if you told me. Ten years ago, that what we were saying, that these old Marvel films would morph into what we've got now, I think you're full of shit. Mm-hmm. This story today had every element of just a great detective story. Mm-hmm. It was almost a throwback story for a modern age. Yeah. It felt like a true detective kind of story that they had going on. And to bring up Spoiler alert, bring Hydra back into it mm-hmm. was also a great mix. 
And I love the fact that they brought that element back to the story. Right. That that basically shows that Shield is not infallible either. Right. That there are issues going on here that they need to handle. And that if that's the route that they want to go with the Captain America story, I am all on board. Right. Because, again, with Captain America representing everything that's supposed to be good people, well, there you go. You got a great character. You built a great foundation. Now run with it. They ran with it. I'm just curious uh, what what Marvel's plans are five years from now. I think they have a plan, but we've already had Robert Downey Jr. at some point say, "Yeah, you know, at some point here, we're going to wind it down." Now Chris Evans has come out and pretty much said that once his contract is up he's retiring from acting and stuff like that well he, he said he's gonna he wants to go behind the camera and and i even made comments that he'd be more than willing to work with marvel as a director well there's that but i know he's under contract for the next avengers and i'm pretty sure he's under contract for there's one a more captain cap three, yes so yeah we've got four or five years to play with here but at what point what happens when you finally lose one of your franchise faces? I don't know enough about... Is there a plan in place? You, I mean, are you even looking at... And, and you know, I don't know all the comic canon. Um, well, that's I, where I was going. If I think you're about to go down this... Maybe. maybe I, I don't know enough. It seems to me that at some point in the comic books... Bucky Barnes assumes the mantle of and that's exactly what Captain I was say. America, and they certainly they certainly play that off here that that he's not all gone yet. Mm -hmm. So maybe you can reverse him, um, but it, it's interesting um, to, to know what they're going to do. I don't know. I don't know anybody who takes over the Iron Man suit in the comics. I could be wrong. No, I don't know, because War Machine's his own thing entirely. Right. Um, but, you know what, maybe they're, maybe this is all part of the why they're bringing in some of the other people, too. Like, um, you know, they, they referenced uh, Stephen Strange in the mm -hmm. movie today. We know we're getting a Doctor Strange fleck in that. Um, you know, because this, this isn't a universe, this is not a universe you can reboot, restart, do anything. Oh, no, 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 no. You, you not at this it. point. They can't do it. No, if they go on to put other people in the roles, they've got to pick up where they left off, and they've got to give you a reason why you're seeing somebody else. They can't right. just write this, oh, that's Steve Rogers. No, it's not. It's somebody else. Right. Don't give me that. If they're going to try to put somebody else in the Iron Man suit, they there can't give me somebody else and say it's Tony Stark. Right, agree. Won't work. And I know with Phase 3 just around the corner, which is pretty much everything post-Avengers 2, right? Because mm -hmm. next year we're getting Ant-Man. Ant-Man. Um, I know, well, you have Guardians of the Galaxy this year. But that's, I know that falls within Marvel, but that's still not completely part of the world we've had built thus far, is it? <sighs> I don't think initially, but I don't know if maybe down the road that yeah. they, they tie those things together. I don't know. I have no answer for that. Um, I, I also don't know down the road. It's it's interesting that Marvel doesn't own the Spider-Man franchise here, and we know that we know that in the comics, at one point, Spider-Man's an Avenger. Mm -hmm. So, but it can't be on the on movies unless you know Fox and and Marvel. 
have secret meetings about how they're going to divide no, up no, uh, can't eight see billion dollars. Fox saying, "Yeah, right. we'll, we'll no, we'll part with that thing." Um, anyway, back back to Captain America. Just just a tight story. Just the right mix of action and character building. Uh, a lot of like just introspective moments with Steve Rogers. Just you know, with that, like I said, that internal struggle about the world he came from and the world he exists in today. Um, I, I thought, I thought Scarlett Johansson was great in this flick. I want to see more of that character. Oh, I love Black Widow as a character. Um, and there was one scene there too, where you had, it, it was, it was the, uh, spoiler alert, where Nick Fury quote unquote dies, but mm. I don't think anybody was, oh God, uh, I don't no. think anybody was falling for If you thought for a second that. that he died, you um, yeah. But you had you had uh, Black Widow there. You had uh, Agent Hill, yep. Colby Smulders walk in, and there was one other chick. Was it the other uh, the other agent? There was, was three it agent of them. Thirteen, maybe there was three women. Maybe it was thirteen that were because she'd been specifically hired or brought on by Fury to protect Rogers without him knowing it. Right. So it probably was thirteen. As I, I, I recall, I know it was the other two and then the third. But that they they Marvel does not um the word I'm looking for here. They do not diminish their female characters. Oh God! Marvel, no. the way in in the movies that Marvel has presented the female character, and there hasn't been a lot of them. There's been Black Widow, mm-hmm. and there's been a couple of side characters, but um, they are you you believe in them as being just as strong as any of these other superheroes yes. that can take care of themselves, that they're badasses, and they don't pander to that. Which I think is great. Which we which we need more of. Oh hell yeah! Well, and, and again, there's, there's no damsels in distress. No Marvel movies. No, and, and I think that's what makes watching like a Black Widow character that entertaining is mm-hmm. everything about her feels badass, and that is entertaining as hell. The the links that she will go through. And my my favorite scene with her in this was not the first scene with the Winter Soldier. But the scene that when the three of them are ambushed and she watches the shadow of him up over on, on the overpass where just to show her training that alright, I mean I need to know my environment. So she stops, sees the shadow and realizes it's a gun and then backtracks to cap him. Yeah. And I'm going, that to me is a cool character. Yeah. That that they they spent some time to say, alright this is Black Widow. She's not a superhero. She's a super spy. Right. So if that's the case, what would her training have her do? Just that. She's not going to overpower people. She's not going to overpower the Winter Soldier. She's right. going to have to use her wits to overpower them. Right. And they did a great job in this movie of pointing out that she is uber intelligent on multiple occasions. Oh, yeah. She's not just a badass. That she also gets by with intelligence too. We we still don't know exactly what her past is though, because in, in a lot of right. movies they've alluded to what she's done in the past, mm-hmm. and they haven't really gone forward with that yet. Which you gotta believe will come soon with what she well, did st- towards the end. They still haven't announced any Black Widow movie. Um, and I think that would be the, the best avenue to go about exploring her character. 
Um, and I hope we do get one. Oh, I'd be down for that. Um, I like I like the Falcon. Uh, I need I need a little bit more from the Falcon. What the motivations are, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I, I thought I thought he was a good uh, a good add on. Yeah, it, it's an interesting addition. The only real struggle I have with it was because we didn't get much. Basically, they they meet early on, which was a very entertaining scene. Right. Then Rogers stops by and sees him giving the talk to the four to the yeah. other vets, and he realizes, okay, this guy's got his head about him. Then you don't see him again until they appear on, on, on his doorstep, right. and all of a sudden he's willing to help. And I also didn't like the fact that he conveniently had that file folder right there that was the missing piece. Yeah, like in any any There are a little bit of... There are some conveniences that you have to do. But it's a comic book. Exactly. And and if that was going to be your sticking point, fine. But it does mean that for the most part we haven't had a whole lot of backstory. What we have to go on is, okay, this guy has some faith... uh, or. I don't want to use the term faith after discussing Noah, but he has faith that Rogers, Captain America, stands for everything he himself stood for. And as a result, he knows that there's no way that Rogers would be swayed to be on the other side, that this big manhunt for Rogers means there are other people that are on the wrong side of things. I thought they missed the boat a little bit. And like I said, you know, nobody should have been taking seriously that Nick Fury was dead. However, his re-entry in the movie, I think they sort of missed that boat a little bit. It shouldn't have been the way they did it. It should have... The first point you should have saw him when he was getting out of that helicopter, which felt more like a here he comes back kind mm-hmm. of thing when they were... When they had uh, uh, Robert Redford at gunpoint and that yeah. stuff. Uh, I thought that was... Because a, that was a great scene, too. Right. That played out really well. And you're right. You need to keep both eyes open. In, in the underground bunker that he was hiding out in, it felt a little... Odd, I get it because that was supposed to be one of the tipping points for sure. for Steve to realize that these guys these were all with it that you right. could you could trust Hill right. But I could have survived if they hadn't introduced him here there. It basically, I mean, by then Hill had helped them escape. Yeah. So that could have been enough. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest criticisms that tends to rear its head every time one of these solo movies comes up post-Avengers is that you have this huge team of, of Avengers, but where are they? This certainly seems globally apocalyptic enough of something that you would have required all Had of the these Avengers heroes. assemble? Yes, <laughs> yes. exactly. The problem is, though, that even plays out in the comic books. If well, you want to take that route. But does it work better in the comic books, or does it even not work in the comic books? I mean, yeah, I mean, you could, if you really want to dissect this, you could say, well, Tony Stark doesn't have any suits left after Iron Man 3. He destroyed them all. You know, Thor is in a completely different... Well, he's in a realm. He's in his own realm. He's in Asgard. Unless Heimdall says, hey, Thor, there's shit going (laughs) on down there in uh, Cleveland. Um, You know, there's there's that. You know, Bruce Banner, who the hell knows where he is. Yeah, Um, last we saw, he was off and getting in a car with Tony Stark to head on down the road, right? Yeah, but we know that Black Widow, because in the Avengers, we know that Black Widow can go around finding these people. Mm -hmm. 
why don't they do it in these types of things? In, in this instance, I'd say that if you really break down the events that we saw here, they didn't take place over a long period of time. Mm-mm. Basically, if you play out the events... But we're talking about S.H.I.E.L.D., which is, is a, with all the tech that they have, is a global conglomerate. They... Right, but the, the Hydra piece within S.H.I.E.L.D., you could argue, would have blocked such a call being put out. Perhaps. Perhaps. I, I don't have any, any issue reconciled. This is just, it's just a standalone... Mm-hmm. Of flick, I, I don't need to be concerned why the Avengers didn't assemble for this. I'll get that when the Avengers assemble right. for Avengers Two, and they're just maybe the, the others are prepping for Ultron, or they have their own shit that they're dealing with. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. I mean, Captain America and uh, Black Widow are em- under the employ of Shield. Mm-hmm. So if this is if if Shield doesn't request of all these other people, then you know, maybe well, that's then it. they won't come. I, I, I think I think when you come to movies like this, I think you're you're reaching a little bit farther than you need to be worried about reaching for mm-hmm. in 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 reconciling things like that. It's just a standalone Captain America right. flick. Um, let it let it live within itself, and I think you enjoy that a lot and more. Be happy with the effort that they just gave you too, right? Because they you you got a hundred percent effort, right? This thing was just a fantastic film from begin to end. Yeah, it, it was an absolute blast. I'll say this: I was also impressed with the amount of bloodshed this film had, because I don't remember the other films carrying any bloodshed. Um, maybe little bits like uh, Coulson getting the Loki pokey, right? Um, and and don't use the term, I guess we shouldn't use the term bloodshed in here, and that there's graphic. No, 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 no. But we have people being shot in this film, yes. I and mean, you see the blood beating up, yes. and it was. I can't say it was an unwelcome thing. It. it it added some realism to the story in all actuality, or it, it upped the stakes a little bit. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Yeah. That's it, it, it certainly upped the stakes a little bit. They, that a lot of what they had happened, they, I mean, the effects of, like, the, the, the car chases and stuff were just amazing. But they tore shit up in this film, too. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. The, the, the scenes of just, the, even Nick Fury's at the beginning... Going through the town were just insane. That, that was insane. Um, that that was a lot of fun. Yep. With that, that sort of a mafia hit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after a while, you're kind of like, how is he still getting away from this? Right. You know? But, you know, it's, it's Nick Fury. That's why. Yeah. Um, the Winter Soldier as a villain. Um, I, I thought, I, I like, I, I know what they're doing with it. I'm not really convinced I was into him as much as I thought I would have been. I didn't think we got, I didn't think we, for a movie that's called Captain America the Winter Soldier, I didn't think we had a ton of Winter Soldier. No, it, 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 it never seemed to be about that guy. The, you, it always, it seemed more to be about Hydra as a whole. Exactly. And that this Winter Soldier guy was just sort He's of just a, a tool. Yeah. A, 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 and, and it was a good tool, mm-hmm. but you never really felt like 
he, he was anything other than just this pawn of Hydra. Right. And I would go so, go even further and say, yeah, that they keep hammering that home every time you start thinking, well, maybe he's bigger than they are. No, he, he's not. He's totally what, they're, what they've created. Right. And they pretty much have to refresh that with him every now and then, as we saw in a certain scene. So, so in a way, the Winter Soldier isn't really your villain here. Hydra is your villain. Right. It, it, the, the Winter Soldier is just the tool. And, and the, the issue that, that Steve will have to deal with on his own, right. because he has the relationship there. And then that's more of what it represents is it's another connection to his past, arguably one of the two biggest connections. Right. And the other being Atwell's character there. Yeah. Who, who that was, that was a, that was an interesting scene too, mm -hmm. where you clearly know, clearly she's suffering from a dementia of some sort and that, which, you know, that's right. Another... After having talked to her for a few minutes yeah. and all of a sudden she's like, it's you, you you're alive. Yeah. It was yeah, it was a pretty well done scene yeah. because it's also that's another piece of his his acknowledgement of the mor mortality of everything that yeah. that basically all of this is aging and realistically he could still age even though I know that the serum injected into him changes that to a certain extent right. but all these pieces around him will continue to age right. and he has to navigate his way through it. And he lost a huge piece on that one. So that was a well-done scene. Yep. No, there was a lot of well-done scenes in this. Um, yeah, for me, like you said, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm only an hour and a half out from it. You know, so I'm not going to boldly say it's my favorite Marvel movie, but it's definitely one of my top two. It, yeah. Um, <laughs> it definitely is one of my top two. Uh, I, I, give it, uh, I give it a four and a half out of five. I, I could be talked into a five, but I don't want to give those away just freely. Yeah, no, it, it's a four and a half out of five. I can't wait to revisit it. I'd yeah. like to revisit this while it's in the theater. If at all yeah. possible, I want to see it again. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't think that my opinion of it's going to fall off in any way either. No. It, it was just that good. But a five, that's... That's... Well, that's... That's perfection. It, and I, t I wouldn't give it a five solely because we had another goddamn Stanley appearance. <laughs> Who well, knew that was coming? That alone, <laughs> I didn't need. It wasn't too invasive. No, no. And the thing is, as soon as they started the scene, I'm like, "This is the Stanley one, isn't it?" Yeah. They, they, you see that clearly it's a security guard is too far away. No, this is the Stanley bit. Yeah. Oh, there it is. All right, Stanley. Right. Uh, still, definitely the the spryest ninety one year old out there, though. Him and Betty White. My understanding is he's really supposed to be a decent guy too. That well, sure he's he not is. not douchey. But I just don't need to be right. I don't need to be reminded at all times that yeah. Marvel is his. Right. I just don't. Right. But I know I there are plenty of people out there characters. that. <laughs> There are so many people out there, though, that I know love the fact that he appears in all sure. of them. And I get that, too. Sure. It's the acknowledgement that, you know what, for the longest time, he created all these characters to middling success. And yeah. when I say middling, he was still the biggest name in comics. Sure. But it is what it is. Now, Stan Lee is almost larger than life. Right. Because all this groundwork that he laid 70 years ago, I mean, it's, it's going to seem amazing to him, though. 
if you think about it, these characters he created way back when and seeing how the world has embraced this world or or, or his world now has got to just seem almost, I don't know, mind-blowing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, perhaps. And, you know, credit, credit him for just still being full of life and vigor and everything at his age. I mean, if... I don't see me ever getting to that age, but if I did, I think I would just get up angry every day that uh, it's over. (laughs) We're done. Yep. But hey, more power to him, I guess. So that's Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Um, See the movie. Yeah. Don't wait until it's out on video. Yeah. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So are we doing Transcendence in a couple of weeks? I think that was our that would plan. Be, yeah, I would imagine. I know, uh, I, ne- uh, hopefully next week I'll get a chance to see Oculus. Uh, I'm hoping to, uh, but that's that's not worth, that's not worthy that's not, anything more that than just be a, what, uh, we what we watched. There's a, yeah, there there is a, a possibility that I will tag team along with you to see that one, because I'd like yeah. to see it, and looks like I may be free that day, so. Right on. But yeah, I think next podcast we were talking about transcendence. Yes, and, and who knows what we're going to get out of that? Right. It could just be the Lawnmower Man, which I'm suspecting <laughs> all it is is Fister's version of the Lawnmower Man. Right. But yeah. All right, that's it for this time. We will see you next uh, next time on Pop Ninja's Slice and Dice Twenty Three. Twenty Three. Right on. Bye. Late. <laughs>